Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'm your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everybody. Today, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 16, Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day means a lot of different things for the people in the office, so we will cover that. And also, Michael heads to New York for a meeting with the new CFO. Our cold open really isn't much of anything, and honestly, this entire episode isn't much of anything. Mm-hmm. Just some story development. The, the cold open is very much a microcosm of the episode at large. We essentially, in the cold open, introduce the fact that it's Valentine's Day and that Michael is going to New York. Mm-hmm. It's really all we get out of that. We do get a couple little, just little fun things. Michael is states that he's headed to New York, and Dwight then, in response, hands him his passport. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he would need that. And we also learn that... Michael is still forbidden from discussing his relationship with Jan. He would be a raving lunatic, which is the words that Jan has used. (laughs) Jan sent him an email and let him know that if he thought they were going to discuss what happened between them several months ago, he would be a raving lunatic. (laughs) Correct. So in the episode, we see kind of what Valentine's Day means to a lot of the people in the office. And you kind of get a wide range of celebrations, recognitions, and things like that. The kind of most extreme pro-Valentine's Day celebration in the office is Phyllis. She, throughout the episode, receives gift after gift after gift from Bob Vance, from Vance Refrigeration. But that's not her doing. Sure, sure. But it is the it is the most evident celebration of the holiday. Sure. This is much to the chagrin of Pam, who at the beginning of the episode states that her and Roy kind of agreed to not get anything too big for each other on Valentine's Day since they're getting married this year and they're which, saving for the wedding. Which means that Pam suggested that or potentially Roy suggested that and Pam's like, oh yeah, that's smart. We should save for the wedding, but we should still get each other something and then Roy didn't hear that part. I, I'm thinking that it was Pam's idea and Roy didn't hear the two keywords in there of too big. Nothing too big. Yeah. And he just heard nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. However, in his defense, he did get some Pam something. The best sex of her life, apparently, that night. Oh, God. So I'll just tell a quick anecdote about that. Okay. Uh, So in college, we really loved The Office, like watched it a lot and whatever. So that became the thing around Valentine's Day with, like, me and my roommates, like, my senior year. 
when they had girlfriends, it'd be like, oh, you know, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? She's just getting the best sex of her life. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it really gave them something to cling on to. That and, like, Entourage being big at the time, unfortunately gave that subset of males in the Southern Illinois region, like, something to cling to. Uh, hopefully they changed their ways. Sure. <laughs> Another person who is surprised as to their Valentine gift in a good way is Dwight. Yes, this is a sweet scene. He finds a box on his desk and is instantly very skeptical about it. <laughs> and he asks Jim, what did, basically accuses Jim, like, what did you do? Yeah, and, like, thinks it's a prank. Which, right. not that he, you know, he's right to be skeptical, sure. probably. sure. And Jim says he has no idea what it is, so Dwight opens it, and it is, there is a card inside, just says, Happy Valentine's Day, and it is a bobblehead of himself. Mm -hmm. So his, quote, secret admirer, we know who it is, but gave him this bobblehead. And he's very pumped about it. Yes, very much so. He then goes to... Angela later in the episode and just in the weird way that they talk to right, each other in, in the office in talking in in codes with one person's back to the other and like whispering and right. they're pretending to do work Dwight essentially says not that you care but somebody got me a Valentine's Day present and it was a very nice gift like knocked it out of the park right and Angela as well says well good for that person I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed the gift that you got. Mm -hmm. And also insinuate, or also tells Dwight, she hopes to get a nice Valentine's Day gift by the end of the day as well. Yes. And Dwight is in a better position than Roy is because he can at least play it off as, yes, you will be getting, I have a feeling you will be getting a gift. Mm -hmm. Or I hope that when you get that gift... It is a good gift or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he can kind of then work behind the scenes with Pam, actually, <laughs> to find out what is a good gift to get Angela. Because Dwight's panicked at that. He didn't... Dwight tells Pam that his girlfriend, who shall remain nameless, didn't think she was into Valentine's Day. Didn't think she was the type of woman that would care about that. And also, I mean, I guess they have stated the word girlfriend has been used in he, previous episodes, but just from what we see in this series in future episodes, it doesn't seem like they're dating. No, I think they're dating. I think the perception is that they just hook up at the office. No, 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 no. Remember in last episode, he's... Yeah, I know. I get that point. I'm saying in future episodes, I feel like they oh, well, stray from... Yeah, because of what happens in season four. Okay, well, we'll get there. Let's not then, spoil it for the listeners. Right. However, Dwight does come up with something. And he explains his rationale thusly. Women are like wolves. If you want a wolf, you have to trap it. You have to snare it. And then you have to tame it. Keep it happy. Care for it. Feed it. 
lovingly, the way an animal deserves to be loved. My animal deserves a lot of loving. So Dwight feels the best way to trap a woman in this case is to give her a key to his house or what we assume is yeah. a key to his house. <laughs> yeah, a key to his farm. Right. <laughs> Angela clearly enjoys this gift as well. She um, is surprised but smiles at it. So maybe, you know, to them that's a nice way of advancing their relationship, I guess. Yeah. Some people who are having trouble with Valentine's Day are Ryan and Kelly, <laughs> mostly because there probably shouldn't be a, quote, Valentine's Day between them. Yes. Uh, yeah, mostly because they have uh, wildly different expectations from each other for what their, quote unquote, relationship is going to be. Right. And... Unfortunately for Ryan, he doesn't take into account the person that he is dealing with here, and he makes a very large mistake. I hooked up with her on February 13th. Ryan is clearly not an observant guy, I'm going to say, because he's not thinking okay it's february february is valentine's day like time like he's pretty oblivious to that fact he was probably only thinking with his loins and like oh i'll hook up with kelly and then kelly thinks we hooked up word boyfriend girlfriend yeah it's a, it's like a it's like a romantic Valentine's Day miracle. Yeah. It's something yes. that it's something you would see on the Hallmark channel. For sure. Which is where Kelly gets her romantic <laughs> advice from. Yes. Uh and she seeks out her her advisor on romantic affairs, Jim, and gives him the lowdown on what happened, how it happened, what's gonna happen now. She decides that she is going to ask Ryan if he wants to do anything that night. And Ryan is emphatic that he already has plans with his friends. Yes. And Kelly does this despite Jim advising her not to. Yeah. And... He says they should take it slow. Yes. And Jim really is struggling to get through to Kelly that this just isn't... Maybe just isn't the thing that she thinks it is. And Jim's standard relationship advice throughout the series is take it slow. <laughs> yeah. That's the type of guy he is. But he's also growing frustrated by Kelly, particularly as the day goes on, because Kelly is sort of focusing on, oh my God, this would be so great. We'd be such this great couple. I just don't understand why Ryan doesn't want to be with me. And Jim sort of reaches his breaking point a little bit and he says yeah it would be great but he doesn't you gotta face the fact and you just need to move on from that and try to have fun so he's you can tell and it's phrased in a way that he's speaking from experience yes and no i mean i no? i get it i think as as the viewer it is very obvious yeah that that is what he is saying but uh, to me, there isn't like a point of realization for Jim that we see. I think he is. No, I think he's already been there. 
Maybe, you know. And that he's telling this to Kelly. Because he we also see him earlier in the day. I broke up with Katie. I don't have a girlfriend right now. I'm just inviting some friends over to play card games and hang out. Yep. So he seems okay with that being his Valentine's Day plans. And we he's gotten to the realization regarding Pan in previous episodes. Okay. And so now he's just like, you know what I'm trying to do, Kelly? Here's, you know, without revealing to her his inner turmoil, here's what I'm trying to do. I am going to try to make the best of it. Yeah, it would be great. Pam and I would be a great couple. Like, this is what he's trying to convey to her without saying it in so many words. Right. So, as Antoinette said, Jim is celebrating Valentine's Day by just hanging out with some friends who, some of which seemingly aren't single, because (laughs) one guy calls him and says that he would have to go out with his girlfriend, which, how did he think he was going to not hang out with his girlfriend on Valentine's Day in the first place? Some people don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Okay, sure. So Jim is one of the people on the opposite end of the spectrum as someone like Phyllis. We do see Oscar get a floral arrangement from his, quote, mom. Right. Um, We have to assume it is from maybe Gil, but we don't know. Right. we, We are to assume that he doesn't want anyone to see the card because he quickly puts it in his pocket. Right. And perhaps the most extreme celebration of Valentine's Day or anti-celebration of Valentine's Day comes from Meredith, who spends the day getting drunk at work. Well, and that is an offshoot of the showering that Phyllis gets. So when we open the episode, Phyllis got this beautiful, large bouquet of roses. And everyone's like, oh, that's nice. And Meredith comes over and reads the card. And it says something to the effect of, Happy Valentine's Day, darling, from Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh, that's really nice, Phyllis. That's great. People are happy for her. Mm -hmm. But throughout the day, she gets, I believe, two more flower deliveries, a box of chocolates, a large box of chocolates, and a ginormous teddy bear, Mm -hmm. like the size of a human. And with each delivery, Pam grows increasingly irritated because she's the one that has to sign for it. But then we also get shots of Meredith who whose face will fall or she has an irritated look where she's like, oh, my God. And then we see her making more and more drinks like styrofoam uh, gas station cup size of, of uh, vodka tonics, it mm-hmm. looks like. So by the end of the day, Meredith is passed out on her desk, like blatant out in the open. Right. So for that, we have to fire Meredith for getting drunk and passing out at work. Yes. And we never really see or hear much about Meredith's romantic life. We know that she's divorced and that she has... One child, uh, although in season one they said two, but later on we really only see Jake, her son. 
But beyond that, there's not any sort of delving into who Meredith is as a person or if she has a significant other. We know that she is uh, sexually sexually liberated. She talks about filming some sexual exploits with, with men. She also sleeps with a supplier relations guy mm-hmm. uh, somewhere along the way. So beyond getting physical fulfillment, we don't know, but we can discern, I would say, from this episode that she would also like some emotional uh, fulfillment as well. Sure. So poor Meredith. At this juncture, Curtis, I'd like to ask you what your feelings are on Valentine's Day. Well, I am of the thought that it is a corporately created holiday that exists solely to make people buy a bunch of stuff (laughs) and spend a lot of money. I, we celebrate it. We acknowledge it. Not in an over-the-top way. Right. I would say. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that either. It was fun in like grade school when you got Valentine's for everybody, and mm-hmm. you guys you had a party, and you got a bunch of candy and cookies and stuff like that. Yeah, that type of Valentine's Day is fun. Yeah, but it is. I mean, at its core, it's essentially a holiday that somebody somewhere went. You know, it would be great. We just need to make something up to have everybody show that they love each other. What about you? What do you think of Valentine's Day? I think Valentine's Day is stupid. When I was single, I really thought it was stupid. And I was single for a very long time, for a lot of Valentine's Days in a row. Because... Dinner was overpriced, chocolates were overpriced, roses were overpriced. Mm-hmm. Like, it definitely was this just consumerist holiday. And then once I got into a relationship, and then, you know, once I met you, I realized, you know what would be better than you getting me flowers or taking me to dinner or me doing something for you on February 14th because society is telling us that we have to is doing that on just a random day because I want to and want to make you feel good. And so, yeah, that's kind of the issue I have with Valentine's day. And it's funny that if, when you're a young adult, it's kind of like the bachelor and the bachelorette, like people think that's the height of romance, Mm -hmm. the bachelor and the bachelorette, for example, but they don't realize that like a producer on the Bachelor or Bachelorette is setting up that entire scene. Right. So when you're when you're a teenager or a young adult, you're like, oh man, so romantic, so romantic. Well you don't realize like someone has to you have to decide, okay, well I think I'm gonna spend a hundred dollars on roses. And you're like, that's obscene. Yeah. That's obscene. Just wait the next day, you get the same bouquet for twenty dollars and or wait the next month, like to have a little bit more a little bit more meaning to it, sure. I would say. I think it's important to celebrate your romantic partner. And a lot of people do, you know, now there's like Galentine's Day and celebrate Ugh. your friends. So there's now these all these offshoots to where it's like, let's do it because we want to instead of being told that we should. 
um, do these things. And it does suck as a single person, just like around Christmas time where they have all those, every jewelry company in the world decides that they're going to advertise that you should get engaged at Christmas time. Yeah. Like the problem is this societal expectation creates a have and a have not situation. And it can make you feel really sad if you, if maybe you're a partner you just broke up, they passed away, like things aren't going well. And so it can make you feel like you're really missing out. Right. So sorry, that's my diatribe. It's fine. Two things. <laughs> yes. One, you mentioned the Bachelor and Bachelorette. So I'm going to plug here. You guys should listen to our friends, Adam and Taylor's podcast on the Bachelor slash Bachelorette called 25 to Life. They do it through Podomatic. It's really I'm funny. I'm pretty sure you can get it on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure if it's available anywhere else. There is a new season of The Bachelor, I think, getting ready to start. Can't remember which one, but one of them's coming back. Yeah, so they will be kicking that off here soon. Yeah, it is a very funny podcast. Listen to that. Two, do you think Valentine's Day is a feminist holiday? No, I don't, because it also sort of fits into our standard patriarchal setup that um, the man is supposed to and this is heteronormative, the man is supposed to woo the woman and you should, the man should be spending all this money and getting a diamond bracelet and roses and chocolates. It's really hard to find a, a, a nice actual, you know, beyond um, just standard gifts, like if something really wanted right. something. Like one time I got Curtis a cooler for Valentine's Day because yeah, nice he needed cooler. a new cooler. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I would so I would say that in in a heteronormative relationship, if in most cases, if the female did not get the male a gift, did not recognize it any maybe there's a card involved. Mm -hmm. The male would be like, "Huh, okay." If the that happened the other way around. Ain't no way that is okay. <laughs> Agreed. Like, I kind of want to know, like, did Pam get Roy anything? And then you mentioned Galentine's Day. Right. There is no Palentine's Day. Oops. Million dollar idea. <laughs> I got it. Dibs. Dibs on Palentine's Day. Which I think there should be, though, because I think that men often don't get the chance or aren't allowed to, given the space to celebrate their male friendships. I suppose, yeah. But because that's just, that's just, because men don't feel the need to recognize it, I guess. Maybe they should, though. But, but it's just, hey, we're just hanging out. Like, we're just guys hanging. I feel like it happens all the time, and it's just not a thing. Like, it's... I oh, guess. guys can get to guys get together and watch football all the time, like, and it's it's not a. It, that's but but Valentine's Day would be a way that you show your appreciation, like you mean you. This is a strong friendship, like you mean something to me. I I am glad we're friends. I thank you for being my friend, supporting me, whatever. Maybe males just don't need that constant reinforcement that females do. Maybe. I didn't, I've never thought it's of like, that. It's like, hey, I understand that this person that I enjoy spending my time with and I consider a friend, I understand that 
they care about me. They would help me when I needed help. That doesn't need to be stated all the time. Whereas females, it's Galentine's Day and it's, I'm here for my friends. These are my ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a, a lot of things are definitely consumerist and Valentine's Day is a billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. The cards are much more expensive on Valentine's Day too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But all that to say, even if you enjoy celebrating Valentine's Day, which is awesome, like you do you and feel your feelings. Also, just try to show your appreciation and support and love to the people in your life, like at random times throughout the year. Sure. So moving on <laughs> to the other part of this episode, which is Michael in New York. And as stated earlier, he is there to meet the new CFO and to just kind of present the financial status of the Dunder Mifflin branch in Scranton. Yes. At this juncture, Dunder Mifflin is still not out of the woods as far as needing to take a look at its financial health. So this is the reason that they've all converged on New York And before the meeting, Michael takes the camera crew around to his favorite New York spots. (laughs) And it is your, it is exactly what you would expect from a kind of small town, never really been outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Not, Not exactly the most worldly person that is Michael Scott. It makes me wonder how many times he's actually been to New York. Right. And so he says, I always, the first place I always go is my favorite pizza place here in New York. And it's a Sabaro. <laughs> yes. Like you can, it's the pizza joint that was in every mall in the 1990s. Right. And when he then, like, he just says some completely ridiculous things. Like eh, most people, when they come to New York, they go straight to the Empire State Building. That's too tourist for me. Touristy for me. And he's in Times Square. He's in Times Square, and he points out the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, Red Lobster, like, chain places right. that probably no one in their right mind goes to these places in Times Square. I honestly, I, I, you have to wonder how those places stay open. I know. I'm kind of surprised. Like, nobody, nobody's actually eating there, right? My guess is that if you've never been to New York and you get caught up in the excitement of it and you get into Times Square and you're like, oh, God, it's kind of dinner time. Like, why not? Or something. I don't know. Because you can go like three blocks away. <laughs> right. And, and get out of Times Square. Yeah. And, and be, I mean, I don't know for sure. I, I am saying this as somebody that has never been to New York City, but... From what I have heard, like the upcharge on the fact that you're eating at the Olive Garden in Times Square is ridiculous. Yes, and so it's it's not even like somebody that lives, say, three, four blocks away from Times Square, and they can have any of the stuff that they want anytime Mm -hmm. they want. And so, like, they're they just all right. I just need 
I need to eat something to eat. I'm just going to Olive Garden. Yeah. They wouldn't go to Olive Garden because you're paying $30 an entree. Although Olive Garden is just the worst. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny because, yeah, I've, I've been to New York once and I've been to Times Square and it's horrendous. Like, I am sure if you are, live in New York, if you're a native New Yorker or a transplant that's been there for years, you probably avoid Times Square at all costs. Yeah. Probably there's a lot of parts of Manhattan where people are like, nope, don't ever go there. Right. And I have to imagine that it is just like any other tourist area mm-hmm. in the country. I have been to LA. I've been to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that. Anybody that actually lives in L.A. never goes there. Yeah, probably, yeah. Because maybe you go, you see it once, whatever. But yeah, if you're from New York, there's probably not a great deal of necessity to it. But Michael is amazed by it. He goes to Rockefeller Center. It says it's named after Theodore Rockefeller, which I'm pretty sure is not really a person. No. He thinks he spots Tina Fey, not really her, but he misses seeing Conan O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> and then he finally makes it to the meeting. And once he gets up uh, into the Dunder Mifflin corporate headquarters, he and the other branch managers are just hanging out, waiting uh, for Jan and the new CFO, David, to come into the room. And Craig, the Albany branch manager, has some very harsh words towards Jan. Right. Going so far as to actually call her a bitch mm-hmm. uh, because she asks him to do things. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael almost, almost is the good person here. Yeah. Because after Craig calls Jan a bitch, he stands up for her. Yeah. Good for him. He's being a... An, an ally in the fight for feminism and he eventually just spills the beans in that the reason he is standing up for Jan is because she is his girlfriend. Right, because Craig sort of fires back, you like Jan? Right. Why would you like Jan? And Michael, who has done improv for how long now, is not quick on his feet. Well, he's, he's not good at improv, he's not though. Good like, at that's, that's the point, is that he's not good at improv. Just cannot keep it together. Yeah, first she's like, well, she's my girlfriend. Which is wrong. Which is completely incorrect. Right. And then he's like, well, no, but we did sleep together once. Yep. Several months ago, and he tries to backtrack, but everyone's like, what? The cat's out of the bag at yeah. this point. Yeah. Beside note, I feel like there's not enough branch managers, though, because there's only four. Maybe it's like a, a regional and maybe four other ones were there later. Sure, okay. And Dunder Mifflin also seems like it is a regional company. It like, is. Like, there is not I, a branch in California. I feel like there's more branches than that. We know of... Nashua, Albany... Hartford? Stanford. Stanford. That's where Jim goes. Where does, where does um, Karen go? Nashua. Karen goes to Nashua? Yeah. Holly's in Nashua. Right. Holly's in Nashua. Where Karen goes somewhere. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. There's, there is more than four branches to Dunder Mifflin. We know that for sure. 
Another side note, in this meeting, we meet two people who will come into play later on in episodes, that being Josh, the manager at Stanford, mm-hmm. and David Wallace, the new CFO. Yes. So we get into the meeting, and it is an opportunity for each of the regional managers to show how financially healthy their branches are. Yeah, essentially they're making a pitch to David to be like, Don't close my branch. We're doing well here. We're meeting targets. We're exceeding targets. We're financially healthy. Keep us around. Yes. And we get to see the very end of Josh's presentation where he says that his branch has grown 4% in the last year. Yeah, they've exceeded their goals. And... Michael follows that up by not presenting the relevant numbers that David is looking for, but essentially a profile of every, a video profile of every single person that works in the Scranton branch. Michael essentially has created this, uh, it is a video presentation. It reminds me of every English project I had to do in high school from freshman to senior year because video was getting to be big then. And every every stupid assignment was like, create a video reenactment of this act of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. I'm like, how is this helping us learn it? Anyways, mm-hmm. that's what he did. He set it to YouTube's uh, With or Without You. Mm-hmm. And it is it is something. It is something. He introduces every single person, gives a little factoid about them, it seems like. And people are rightfully appalled. But David handles it pretty well. Yeah. He's like, oh, that was nice. The focus now is the numbers. Do you have that as well? Yes. Like, and this is this is what is kind of most surprising to me because Michael, it seems as though Michael was set on that being it. <laughs> He's just like, all right, that's all I needed to do. That I will show you who works here and <laughs> and what their favorite food is. That will be very compelling. And that's it. And that's all. And when David is just like, okay, that's great, but we need to figure out the financial strength of your branch. Michael has those numbers. <laughs> he has them ready. In a very nice uh, format. Right. It wasn't even like he was just going to read them off. Like he has them <laughs> in laminated folders and everything like that so he was prepared to come to this meeting and show exactly what he needed to show but he chose not to essentially to michael is too he thinks from its heart too much to be in business like he can't look at hard numbers and be like kind of just cold and detached from it right he if if he and Todd Packer were running a company together and Todd Packer <laughs> was very clearly funneling money out of the company and doing illegal things, Michael could not separate himself from that. He would just be like, well, that's just the cost of doing business, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, have to account for that. Right. <laughs> well, so then Craig from the Albany branch uh, is called upon to give his presentation. He's like, oh, didn't do it. Thought this is sort of a meet and greet thing. And has 
literally nothing to present. Mm -hmm. And Jan openly chides him and says, what did you think I meant when I said financial presentation? Like, this is doesn't bode well for your branch. This is to really get a sense of if we need to make cuts. And Craig gets upset and he's like, I guess, you know, I should have slept with you too because Michael didn't get in trouble for doing this stupid video. Which is a valid point. <laughs> sure. And that obviously stops everybody in their tracks. And Jan's upset. Rightfully so. And so she has to have a conversation with David and Michael. But Michael actually does a nice thing here. And takes the fall. And says, nothing actually happened. I was just making a stupid joke. Putting himself on the potential chopping block. Right. Okay. But it wouldn't be Michael without a slight misunderstanding, <laughs> misunderstanding as to what was going on here. Because when David is just like, even if it was a bad joke, and Michael like interrupts him and is like, I know, not my best work. Yeah. In terms of like, I've told better jokes. I pride myself <laughs> on telling better jokes. Yeah. He is missing the point of the fact that. This is a potential sexual harassment lawsuit and... Still not a joking topic right, at all. Right. And for the sake of this show, Michael could be fired here. However, Jan is pretty okay with how things are going because this saves her too. Yeah. So she is more than happy to accept Michael's apology, essentially. Yes. It just says, let's just move on. It's okay. Like, that's our, we're going to be done with it. Yes. So as Michael is leaving the corporate headquarters, he is getting on the elevator. Jan stops him and just thanks him for what he did in David's office. And he, again, is not your typical Michael here that would maybe read into what Jan is doing here. And Jan, Michael's just like, yeah, I'm right, happy to do it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry I created this situation. That's it. And Jan kisses him. Yeah. Jan just is a sucker for a nice guy. I get something, something like that. <laughs> and Michael looks... After after the shock of being kissed, he looks over at the camera, which is filming from behind like a glass door or something, mm -hmm. and looks dead at the camera. And Jan turn and looks turns and looks at the camera and realizes what just happened. Yeah. She has been filmed kissing Michael again, again, <laughs> and she's horrified. Right, and this is a this is a very good parallel to what happened with Kelly and Ryan because Michael is the Kelly in the position of Kelly at this point <laughs> where it's just oh boy like this is this Valentine's is it this Day. is it like, I got kissed on Valentine's Day obviously she loves me and we're gonna get married <laughs> and Jan is Ryan which is just like why would I do that <laughs> on Valentine's Day of all days yes Oh man, and that's really how we end the episode here. So a lot of a lot of setup. We are barreling towards our season finale here. So we're just setting the chessboard. Correct. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and figure out any fun facts about this episode. 
So Dwight's uh, quote that we used earlier about how to treat women was another one of the sound Hallmark cards from the <laughs> early aughts, and it was a home. It was actually a Valentine's Day card. Oh. Most of these scenes of Michael in New York City was improvised by Steve Carell, mm-hmm. which that you can tell, like the Sabaro definitely uh, makes sense as a, as a good improvised line. Yeah. The bobblehead that Dwight received as his gift from Angela um, is the one of the most popular selling items on NBC's website. Hmm. And it wasn't going to be created for fans to buy, but there was enough fan interest that they did a limited run. It immediately sold out, and now they have it um, as a regular item you can purchase. And that's all I've got. All right. So our firings on this episode, we only had the one. Just and it Meredith. is Meredith for getting drunk. And passing out at work. <laughs> it is her second firing this season. It is her second overall. Do you have a Dundee to give out, Antoinette? Uh, yes. The Dundee for Breaker of the Glass Ceiling goes to Jan. I think she's clearly competent at her job and good at what she does. And she's made her way up the ladder and from what I can tell, she is really the only lady in Dunder Mifflin management. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that it was kind of unfortunate how they portrayed her in kind of the middle season. Yeah, unfortunately, they don't do her character justice. Right. I think so. Yeah. What about what about you for a Dundee? Uh, my Dundee is the Try Hard Award, and it goes to Bob Vance. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this is just over the top. Over I don't care. Top. I don't care how you feel about Valentine's Day. If it is your favorite holiday <laughs> of the year, I would a tell you to kind of grow up a little bit. <laughs> but b, I can't imagine that anybody would really appreciate getting all the things that a life-size teddy bear. Like I. Maybe, maybe, sure. Maybe if there was like the flowers came once at one point, the chocolates came at another, and then the bear, no, no matter how ridiculously no, large no that thing bear is. bear ever. No, not that size bear. What are you going right, to do with that? Right. But if that was another part. But like, there's no reason to gift anybody three separate bouquets of flowers <laughs> on the same day. He just really loves her. Clearly. $500 worth. He <laughs> loves the advertising. Yeah. The fan theory is yes. to be believed. What about an employee of the month? My employee of the month is Angela because she gives the most practical Valentine's Day gift. It is thoughtful. It is clearly something that Dwight enjoys mm-hmm. is bobbleheads and just having himself as a bobblehead. Yeah. Clearly made his day. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month? My employee of the month is Michael, and I think this episode shows how he got his current job. And actually, the writers said that that's why um, they put this in this episode, to show that he is competent sometimes. That's why he's a manager. And he may have done a really weird video, but he also did what he had to do to make sure that his branch was going to stick around. Yeah. And we do see that throughout the series. We've already seen it before with the episode with the client where despite the fact that he 
messes around the entire <laughs> meeting. When it comes down to it, he knows how to connect with a person. He knows what buttons to push. And really, when you're in sales, that's that's the biggest part of it. Yeah, that is true. So that does it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates and to share with us your thoughts on Valentine's Day as well. And be sure to continue to listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Rate us, review us wherever you can to really get our name out there. And we appreciate you listening to us, and we will see you next time. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye.